Good morning. That was really good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> My name's Carolyn. I serve here as the ministry assistant at the Shawnee campus. It's so good to be with you all today. I was just thinking about this song that we sang, and there are times of life that it is really hard to be able to say that the Lord is faithful or that he has been so good in our lives all the time. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of gathering on a Sunday morning, that we can sing those truths over one another, that we're here as a family, that we can help carry one another through those difficult times and speak those words over one another when it's hard to speak ourselves. So thank you for being here and being a part of that with us today. If this is your first time or you're newer here, there's a green hello card in the chair back pocket in front of you. We'd love if you take a moment and fill that out. We'd love the chance to say hi and get to know you a little bit. You can put that um, in the basket at the hello wall or hand it to anyone with a blue lanyard on. And again, we'd love the chance to say hi and thank you for being here with us today. There's also a blue prayer card in front of you. As a staff, we pray weekly for this church, for this campus. If there's any way we can pray specifically for you, we would love the opportunity to do that for you. You can put that in the tithes and offering box. Um, and also, you can put uh, your giving there if you came prepared to worship through that way, or there's ways to give online as well. I do have a few announcements for us this morning. Last week started our Thanksgiving grocery collection. We partner with a couple local places in town. One is Prairie Point Apartments, and one is Advice and Aid Pregnancy Center. And there are many families in our community that do not have the means to provide a Thanksgiving meal for their family, and we want to do that for them. So there are bags in the lobby with grocery lists attached, so you don't have to stress about what to buy. It is given to you what to purchase. We only have about 20 bags left out of 65. So grab a bag or two or three. Let's fill those up and bless our community, and those can be brought back next Sunday, and then we'll go to those families the next couple of weeks. The next announcement is next Sunday, uh, November 14th, is Baptism Sunday. So at Christ Community, we celebrate baptism as a church-wide community. Um, if you're not familiar yet with Christ Community, we are five campuses but one church, and this is our time once or twice a year to gather and to celebrate with those who are ready to take that step of faith in baptism. If you are someone who has not been baptized, but you're a follower of Christ and would like to learn more about that act of faith, we would love to talk to you about that. It is such a wonderful celebration. You can talk to Pastor Nathan or myself. We'd love to talk with you about that. But please join our church family at that next Sunday afternoon. Last announcement, we are so excited that this is our first year to do a Christmas pageant at the Shawnee campus. It'll be on Sunday, December 12th at 5 o'clock. Kids will be here sharing the Christmas story with us. If you have children who would like to be a part of it, it's for three-year-olds through fifth grade. We would love that. That is me and my little brother in my Christmas pageant. <laughs> this is about 1989. I still have fond memories of it. It's just going to be such a sweet time. You'll get to see adorable kiddos. So join us as a church family, and if your kids are interested in participating, um, please let us know. Rehearsals for that will start November 21st. That's it for announcements. If you could stand with me for the reading of God's word. And today's reading is from James 
4, verses 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning, church. Glad that you're here with us. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Nathan. Uh, I'm one of the pastors and kind of stepped in here in the midst of some of the transitions going on. I just want to say, I think I've been coming here, gosh, pretty regularly now for the last two, maybe three months. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for the, the welcome that I've re- received from you. Thank you for being so kind to me and my family as well. They'll be here at the second service. And uh, it's been a joy to get to know some of you better and to be able to walk uh, with you in, in this time. So it's a pleasure for me. It's a pleasure for me also then to be able to open God's word for us today. Uh, let, me, let me pray for us and we'll continue on in our series in the book of James. Let's pray. Father, we long to hear from you. God, we're not, we're not here simply because... We needed something to do on a Sunday morning, uh, or even because we love the people we're sitting around, as important as it is. God, we are here because we need to hear from you. We know our lack. We know our inadequacy. We know, God, frankly, we know our failure to live our own lives um, in the ways that we mess up. And so we need your forgiveness, and we also need your instruction. And so we pray that you would give it to us today through the power of your Holy Spirit, by your word, at work within us, we pray, for the glory of Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so I am a planner. Like any of you, if you, if you know me at all, like I, I obsess about planning. I like enjoy planning. I make plans to make plans. Uh, I plan my day. I plan my week. I plan my year. I plan my day off. I plan my vacation. Uh, I plan everything that I possibly, I just, I enjoy it. Like it gives me a sense of, of safety and, and control. I love to make a plan. My calendar is filled with plans. My task manager is filled with plans. If I have a whiteboard, post-it notes, like you name it, like ask me what I'm doing later today. Ask me what I'm doing next Saturday at one o'clock. Ask me where I'm going on vacation next year. Ask me where I'm going on vacation, maybe even the, the year after, okay? Ask me what my plans are for my kids, or for my wife. <laughs> Ask me what my plans are for my friends. I love plans. Plans to me are like a security blanket. It's my own little lovey. Makes me feel warm and safe, right? I love it. Anybody else? Anybody want to confess? I'm not the only one. I see, yeah, okay, pointing at a, a spouse here and there. Uh, I get it. I get it. Uh, I love planning. But let me, let me just ask, since March of 2020... You, you remember that, right? When everything fell apart and we were like, oh, this is going to last for like a month or two and be super annoying. And like 19 months later, here we still are. Like everything sort of fell apart. Like, let me just add, like how many plans went right into the toilet in the last 19 months? So many. Like if I've learned anything these past 19 months, it's that my plans are like a hair better than nothing at all, right? And they are better. Right? It's not that they're not valuable. 
And James, even in this text, he's not saying that we shouldn't be planners. He's not, he's not going there at all. But we have to recognize that our ability to control our universe is pretty small, right? Our plans are a hair better than not planning at all. <laughs> when, we, when we think that our plans can save us or protect us, when we think that our happiness is, is somehow bound up in our own ability to control the universe that we're actually in charge of our own lives. When we do that, we're fools. And James actually calls it evil. Because, because two things tend to happen, I think, when we, when we obsess about our plans. We'll talk more about these as we go. But two things in particular. First, first, when our plans fall apart, as they inevitably often do, we tend to either despair or get angry, don't we? Angry at ourselves, others, or at God. I mean, again, look back over these past 19 months. I'm convinced that part of the reason we humans have lost our minds, right? Why we can't, we can't agree about anything. We can't even talk civilly with one another. Like, everything sets us off. I think, I think part of it is because we've lost our sense of control. Our plans have failed. And when our plans fall apart, we fall apart. Or worse, I think it's actually worse for James. The second thing is that our plans succeed over and over and over again. And we begin to think, this is just the way my life works, right? Plan after plan comes true, and eventually I, I feel invincible. I'm a master of the universe, right? When our plans succeed, we begin to feel like gods, don't we? And what James is saying, either way, we're dead wrong. Oh, you planners, he says. Waffling back and forth between anger and despair on one side and overconfidence and boasting on the other. When will we learn? Instead, here's what I think James wants for us. And if you take just one thing with you today, I hope it's this. James is saying our plans cannot save us. Only faith can do that. Our plans, as important as they are, as much as we want to, to invest in them, our plans cannot save us. Only Jesus can do that. So if you haven't already, turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. So we've been studying this, this letter for the last uh, few weeks, right? Um, from James, the author, to some of the first century Christians. And James, James was their pastor, uh, but when the persecution heated up in, in Jerusalem, they were forced to scatter abroad, right? Many of them were forced out of their homes throughout the, the Roman Empire. I mean, talk about a disruption of their plans, right? Like, none of them, none of them saw that coming. None of them wanted that, but, but Jesus was better than their plans. Instead of, instead of caving, right, instead of abandoning their faith, gripping on to their previously held plans, no, they, they let God make a new plan, for their lives as they were forced from their homes. And in faith, they trust him. So this, this is who James is writing to. And yet how quickly we go back to our plans, right? Already, James has to confront them. And even, even though most of us, right, have had to sacrifice a lot of our plans over the last year and a half, we, we have, right? Like, how quickly we get to thinking, okay, you know, a little bit further, we're almost there. If I can just plan enough, if I can just control enough, if, I just, if I'm just good enough at it, right? 
then my life will be okay. And if we're not careful, we'll go back right to where we started. But our plans cannot save us. Only Jesus can do that. Let me, let me read again, starting with verse, verse 13. James says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So again, it's not, it's not that planning is bad. It's not saying we shouldn't make plans. Like planning planning's good. Planning's good. It's just that faith is better, right? Like that's, that's James's his point. So make your plans. James is not against plans, right? But every plan you and I make needs to be submitted to the Lord's will. And we're going to talk more about that uh, when we get further along in here. But the, the first thing that we see here is this. The reason our plans cannot save us is that our plans, like our lives, are missed. Our plans, like our lives, are missed. So James calls us, isn't it? Missed? It's not very flattering, is it? And J- James, he loves, if you've noticed this, if you've been with us in the series, he loves giving like really tangible, real-life examples. And so he starts off with, with work. The place we work is probably a, a place in which we spend a lot of time making a lot of plans, right? He knows that. It's true in the first century. It's true in the 21st century. We make a lot of plans. And so he says, like, imagine a business person right? He's going to do a little traveling, right? He's going he's to go to this particular city. He's, he knows if I, if I have these meetings, I've got these connections. If I do X, Y, and Z, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a, make a profit. And again, that's not, that in itself is not the problem, right? But James is like, man, you've got the whole year planned out. You don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. Like, you can't even control that. And so, yes, yeah, you know, plan your heart out. But verse 14 Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. What is your life? And by, by implication, what are your plans? A mist. And in case, in case you miss the metaphor, right? Like this. That's it. That's it, people. Right there. Right? What are your plans? That's it. What's your life? Like, this, this is me. This is my existence right here. Ah! You know, like, we try so hard to, like, protect it, to, to save it. But this is, this is it. This is what James says. We're, we're here as long as that. Our plans have as much... Oh, my goodness. Um, that was not part of the plan. Uh, now I'm all wet. Um, but he's like, you... you, you you can't, you can't put any faith in them, right? It's just, it's just there. It's so ephemeral. It's like it's there and gone. You see it for a moment, and then it's, it's nothing. And when we put our faith in them, that's, that's where the problem lies for James. If this is where we place our trust, our hope, then we're in big trouble. Because I, I know myself well enough, like as a planner, I know that a big part of the reason I plan is because it gives me a sense of control, Right? I feel less anxious, less worried. It, it, sends, it tends to make my life feel a little bit more, more normal, more predictable. And in many ways, like, that's all good. Like, we as humans, we're designed that way. We need sort of predictable patterns, right? We need to be able to, to live in that way. It's like, that, 
So make your plans. Again, it's not, it's not a bad thing. But like here, here's a test. If you want to know if you've crossed this line, like from normal, healthy, good stewardship planning, over into putting faith and hope in my plans, here's, here's a question to ask yourself. Who do you become when your plans fail? Right? You've had a few of those, right? Who do you become? I mean, let me tell you who I become. Uh, never mind. I, let's not do that. Uh, you don't, you don't want to know, right? I mean, just think about it. So you've got the whole weekend planned. Oh, man, you've got this weekend. It's going to be great. And then all of a sudden something breaks, and you spend the entire day watching YouTube videos trying to get your toilet to flush, right? You've been there. Who do you become? Or you've, you've got the perfect day at work planned out. You've got all your meetings scheduled. It's all in place, and you are going to crush it. You're going to get so much done. And then a colleague comes in, and they need your help. Or you've got sick kids. And all of a sudden, everything you thought is just gone. Who do you become? Often in those moments, I think, we, because we know how little control we have, we tend to, to overcompensate, don't we? And so if, when you realize, like, okay, I can't control my schedule, so I'm going to try to control the people around me. Or we become so inflexible, instead of our plans serving us, they start to, to rule over us. We get anxious, worried, and angry. If I'm completely honest. Angry at our, ourselves? Man, how could I have been so stupid? Angry at the people around us. Kids, why do you keep interrupting me? Right? And even angry at God. Man, God, if you really loved me, right? Or, <laughs> when our plans fail, do we think, I wonder what God is up to? Hmm. I wonder what opportunity he has for me in this. I wonder how he's going to use this disappointment to grow my faith. Anybody? Not me. Who do you become when your plans fail? For our plans, like our lives, are a mist, and they cannot save us. Only Jesus can do that. But there's a second way our plans fail us. And this is actually where James really gives the emphasis here. Uh, and I think we overlook it often. Because like, I think we know, we know the monster we can become when our plans fail. But we don't often recognize the monster we can become when our plans succeed. Like when we're just so good at it over and over and over again, right? But this is really where James goes. Verse 16, he says, As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. He's talking about when, when it's successful, when you're good at it. It's like, man, I'm just, keep, I'm just crushing everything, right? It's evil. Because when, when we put our faith in our plans, especially when our plans succeed, right? And, and some of us, that's, that's our lives. Like, we've, we've had such good fortune, right, of our plans succeeding over and over again that we begin to easily begin to boast in our arrogance, which is a monstrous evil, and so this, this is the second thing I think that James has, has given us here. You see that our, our plans, they can't save us because our plans, they give us a false sense of salvation, right? If we're really good at it, we don't even actually recognize that we need someone to save us. And again, especially when they succeed. And for many of us, we're so used to getting our way. We're just, we're so good at planning. We think we can control the universe. And I think James is actually saying that, that's more dangerous, 
Because then you're just blind to it. If you're, if, you're, if you're terrible at planning, right, and your life is a mess, you probably at least can recognize often that you need some help. But if you're successful, if you're really good at it, you can, you can, you can live your entire life without thinking you need someone or something to save you. And so we look at our success, our income, our stuff, right, the plans I've made for my family, and instead of thinking how great God is, we start thinking how great we are. And we probably wouldn't actually say that, right? I mean, he, James mentions boasting here. Most of us probably don't boast out loud in this way. But it's that subtle arrogance that says, I've earned this. I'm in control. I'm safe. It's like when life goes our way, we feel like God's. And we start to think, maybe, maybe I don't really need Jesus after all. And so let me, let me ask another question to diagnose this for us. Who do you become when your plans succeed? Invincible, powerful, eternal, right? Big stuff, right? Very impressive, aren't we? This is why, this is why James calls us, us mists, right? Is there anything more humbling than saying this, this is your life, right? This is your existence, this is your contribution to the universe, right? But that's, that's why I think he, he goes there. He wants us to realize that life, it's, it's so fast, right? Yeah, plan your heart out. Some are going to fail. Some are going to seed. But at the end of the day, you're still going to die. Whether you're a lousy planner or you're an awesome planner, you cannot outplan death. It is coming, and our plans cannot save us. You can eat healthier, right? You can stop smoking. You can be in community. All these things which are proved to extend our lives. And yeah, that's, that's good stewardship, right? But at the end of the day, you're still going to be dead. It kind of reminds me of a, of a classic Simpsons episode. I hope, hope you guys don't hate me too much for loving the Simpsons. Um, it's an old, old one, several, like many, many decades ago. Uh, but like Homer eats this poisonous sushi, and he, he, the doctor tells him he's got 24 hours to live. Okay, Any, anybody? Oh, sorry, it's just me. It's just me. Uh, but the doctor, like, hands him a pamphlet. He's got 24 hours to live. And he gives him this pamphlet. So you're going to die, right? And I, I feel like that's what, that's what James is doing here with this missed metaphor. He's saying to each one, so you're going to die. Okay, great, right? Because like, when you get that pamphlet, like when the, when the truth actually begins to settle in for you, you are going to die, and you are going to die, and you are going to die. All of a sudden, the plans, making your big stuff, right? The failed ones and the successful ones, none of them really matter that much anymore because you cannot outplan death. Our plans cannot save us. Only Jesus can do that. Which leads us then to James's solution. Thankfully, he doesn't, he doesn't leave us on our own here. Essentially, I think what he says is that our plans are best when given to Jesus. That our, our plans are best when submitted to Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's obvious to you. Like maybe you wanted a bigger, a bigger punch at the end of the sermon, right? Maybe that's too simplistic. But look, look at what James says. Let me read again, beginning with verse 13. He says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
His instead is pretty simple, isn't it? Instead, we should say, if the Lord wills, right? If, it, if it's God's will, not if it's my will, not if I plan really hard, not if I'm a good enough person, not if I, I try hard enough. No, if it's his will. And so go ahead, you know, make your plans, do your best. But no plan is complete for the follower of Jesus until we bring it to Jesus. Not for him to sprinkle holy water over Right? Not, not just so we can sort of pretend to get his blessing over the things we already had planned and want to do, but no, so we can say, Jesus, this is what I think is best. But listen, Jesus, like you know how bad I am at living my life, right? You know the mistakes I've made. You know the plans that I've made that were not for my good. We're not for anybody's good. And so here, here's what I think is best. This is, this is my best attempt, but Jesus, you do whatever you want. If you think this is great, then go with it. If not, then, then show me something else. It's that kind of faith, because that kind of faith is always better than our plans. It's always better. And so how do we, how do we actually do that, right? How do we actually submit our plans to his? Well, I want to I suggest three practices for us, like three habits for us as followers of Jesus to help us be better in our plans, more submissive to him and our plans. Three things. First of all, we have to begin by numbering our days. I mean, this is, this is the missed metaphor, right, that James gives us. Number your days. It puts your plans in perspective, doesn't it? Like, none of us knows how long we have. None of us, no, none of us knows how long we're going to have to even be able to plan. And, and this, this is why I love, I, Psalm 90 is one of my absolute favorites. I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms. But Psalm 90 in particular, um, I love all of it, but in verse 12, it says this. This is a prayer to God. It says, so teach us to number our days. Why? That we may get a heart of wisdom. And I think what the psalmist is saying, that when we live in light of eternity, when we, when we live knowing that our days in this life are going to end, that we are missed, when we number our days, we get wisdom. It puts our plans in perspective, and then with that wisdom, we make our plans in light of these limitations that we know we have. It, it gives us an inherent sort of, it humbles us, right? It humiliates us, the fact that we're missed, that we're, we have no control over our life or our death. And we say, Jesus, I'm numbering my days. I know I don't have forever, but with what I do have, I give to you. Uh, Kurt Thompson, he was with us just a couple weeks ago. He's an author, psychiatrist, um, speaker, um, and when he was with us recently, he said that we humans, this is one of the things that just really struck me, he said we humans, we spend most of our lives either looking back in the past with regret or looking ahead into the future with anxiety when all we really have like, is right now. And it's not that those things are unimportant, but all we actually have, all that we can actually like, to love people and to care like, is, is now. We, we forget to live in the present. But when we, when we number our days... It's like admitting, I can't change the past. I can't control the future. But I can serve Jesus right now. Even if you think about the words of Jesus throughout the Gospels, right? Jesus loves talking about today. He talks, he talks about the future and eternity and all that too. But he loves talking about today. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough, enough troubles. Like, I'll focus on today. He says to, to pray for our daily bread. Not our monthly bread, Right? Our daily bread, asking God to give you what you need to love him and to love your neighbor right now. Because I think Jesus knows that if we ask for that, if we focus on that, then tomorrow, 
will essentially take care of itself. And so if you want to submit your plans to Jesus, it begins by numbering, numbering your days. Number your days. Second, so if we want to break the habit of obsessing over our plans, you need to plan a day without plans. Plan a day without plans, like every week, frankly. I know that sounds ridiculous, the plan to not make plans, but you have to plan for Sabbath. You have to, right? The rest of your life will be chaos. It won't happen unless you plan for it. But then to have a day of rest where your plans don't matter, right? Where it's not about your ability to control your universe anymore, right? Where you can actually rest Sabbath. I mean, nothing helps us out of our addiction to productivity and planning, and taking an entire day off, weekly, from planning and productivity. Because you recognize when you do that long enough, hey, look at the world is still going on. God didn't actually need my help to control the universe. It's a big surprise, right? Instead of trying to be God, which is sort of what we try to do the other six days of the week, what we tend to, if we take one day off and let God be God for us, it breaks us of some of these habits, some of these obsessions. And, and maybe, maybe you're thinking, maybe you hear that, you're like, Nathan, but you don't know my world. You don't know the, the work that I do, the environment that I am in. There's no way that I could possibly do that. But listen, like the first people God told to do this were farmers who, who would die if things didn't go right. right? They would, their lives were literally on the line. And so, yes, there is a cost to taking a day off. But it is a, it is a cost that we must pay if we're going to release control and say, Jesus, no, I'm going to trust you instead. Like if God can say to them, take a day off each week, trust me with your crops, we can trust him with our plans. Because if we, if we learn to trust him weekly, we will learn to trust him daily. But again, you have, you have to plan for it. A day of rest doesn't just happen. A day that, that forces us out of the temptation to control or achieve because faith is better than plans. Plan a day without plans. And then finally, finally, if you want to submit your plans to Jesus, if you actually want to believe that faith is better than plans, right? Then third, pray your plans. Pray your plans. Don't just make your plans. You're not done if all you've done is made them. Yes, make them, but also pray them. And even, even trying on a regular basis to maybe, maybe do it this afternoon, maybe it's tomorrow when you start whatever the chaos of this week has in store for you, to, to look at your calendar. Just pray through your calendar. Like, this is what I think is coming my way, Jesus. I need your help. I don't, I don't know what's actually coming my way, but this is what I'm planning for. Help me. Or to, your to-do list, whatever, whatever kind of, you know, software you use or whiteboard or notes or whatever. Just pray through that. Like, God, this is what I think needs to be done. Show me. And what's even harder than that? That list that you have somewhere in your mind or buried somewhere in some hard drive of, of your, your long-term plans, right? Your hopes and dreams. To actually also pray through those and say, God, this, again, this is my best attempt. Because I want to be a good steward. I want to be faithful to you. And so I, I don't want to wing it, right? I want to take my life and live it intentionally. This is my best attempt. But at the end of the day, Father, I trust you. Whatever you think is best, that is what I want more than what I even think I want. Because it's, it's this kind of faith, then, that gives us the ability to live with what John Mark Comer calls uh, holy uncertainty. 
I love that phrase. He wrote a little book kind of at the start of the pandemic. Holy Uncertainty was the title of it. Holy Uncertainty. He writes, Holy Uncertainty is a capacity to live with a very loose grip or no grip at all on our plans and more importantly on the outcomes of our plans because our security is rooted in a relational connection to God, not in a false sense of control. Apprentices of Jesus who develop this capacity for holy uncertainty still make plans, but they are free at an emotional level from the need for those plans to come to pass. Listen, I read that, I hear that, and it's like, that's, like, church, isn't that what we want? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a slave to my own expectations, my own desires. I don't want to be a slave to any of that. I want, we want what Jesus wants. We want faith. We know that our plans can't save us. And the reality is when we, when we lay them at Jesus' feet, we, when we practice these things and we learn to live into them, it protects us from both of those extremes of, of despair or anger on one side and overconfidence or boasting on the other. Because, because like, if, if they do work out, it's awesome, it's great, but you can't boast, right? Because you invited Jesus into those things and you're, you're recognizing already that ultimately it's his will that's going to happen in your life, Right? And so now, now, instead of boasting, you get to rejoice in the one who actually made it happen. It gives you, instead of a sense of overconfidence and arrogance, it gives you gratitude, right? That you can delight not in how good of a planner you are, but how great a God we serve, who is so kind to you. And even when they don't work out, which I know is it's such a hard thing for us, right? We've been living through that for a long time together. Even when they don't work out, if you truly gave them to him, you can't despair, you can't, you can't get angry, right? Not really, because you know that Jesus loves you. You know that he loves you more than you love yourself, like that he, he gave his own life for you, and if that's true, won't he give you anything you truly need to know him and love him and live a, a full life for him? Everything that we need. And because he rose again, I mean, even when our plans fail, even though we are amissed, church, we will also rise with him. We have more than 70 years to fulfill our plans, don't we? We have forever with the God who loves us and who made us. And that is much better than any of my plans could ever be. And so church, faith is better than plans. Our plans cannot save us, but Jesus can. Let's pray. I want to I want to pray words uh, adapted from John Bailey's prayer book, A Diary of Pri- Private Prayer. He writes he writes these words. Let this be our prayer together. Lord Jesus, we have little power to do or control anything. It is not by our will that we are here or will one day pass away. Of all that will come to us today, very little will have been what we have chosen for ourselves. It is you, O hidden one who has given us our heritage, and you determine the place of our birth. It is you who have given us the power to do one kind of work and have withheld the skill to do another. It is you who hold in your hand the threads of this day's life, and you alone who know what lies before us, to do or to suffer. But because you are our Father, we are not afraid. Because it is your Spirit that stirs within our hearts most secret room, We know that all is well. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Would you stand and sing with us? Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. You cause your sun to shine on darkest nights. For all that you've done, we will pour out a love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts alone. The hopeless have found their hope. The orphans now have a all that was lost has found its place in you. You lift our weary head. You make us strong instead. You took these rags and made us beautiful. For all that you've done, we will pour out a love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. We often don't have a whole lot of confidence in, in knowing how to plan, knowing what to plan. Um, but we do remind ourselves week in and week out of the things that we do have confidence in, uh, the things that we believe together as God's people, his church. And so if you feel comfortable, uh, I'd invite you to, to say the Apostles' Creed with me before we take communion. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen, church. That's where we have our confidence, knowing these things about our God as revealed to us in his word. And if you can confess those words, then we invite you to come and join his, his meal at his table. Uh, this is a meal that reminds us of our forgiveness, uh, but also